have just one verse in particular verse 1 of Genesis chapter 3 now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Amen. Now if you would indulge me for a moment and put your Bibles down behind you. And would you just ask God to do two things for you? Number one, that he would clean your mind so that you could captivate every thought that's going through your mind right now. So that you could not think of anything else than the preached word that is about to be delivered into your spirit. And then the second thing I'm going to ask you to pray is that you receive the word that you just you just heard so we're we're going to clean the room and then we're going to open up the door are you ready to do that with me now in the name of Jesus i pray take away every thought every conflicting emotion every concern and worry and doubt So that we could receive what you have for us right now in this moment. I pray that in the name of Jesus. And with your hands, let's give God praise because we're about to hear the word. Amen. And everybody said amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When the Lord spoke at the beginning of time, Genesis, in fact, we would call that the law of first mentioned, which means basically that Whatever he said at the beginning has a layered meaning that transcends both the moment and all time. It's a law that continues. It's greater than Newton's law, that of inertia, or any law of physics. Greater than the law of gravity, his word that he spoke at the beginning. 
Perhaps also the most revealing knowledge that we can ever have of that fallen angel Lucifer, the devil, comes from the opening scene in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve have enjoyed the pleasure of peace in a place of tranquility. There was no opposition until Lucifer entered the serpent and slithered his way into the garden. He's embodied the form or taken habitation of the serpent. Lucifer did not provide an answer to Adam and Eve. He did not begin with a rebuttal to God's command that came later. Nor did he offer some reasonable explanation as to why they should enjoy the forbidden fruit. He just simply asked a question. And the question that Lucifer asked was meant for different reasons. It was not meant to have an answer. It was meant to plant a seed of doubt. If it be possible for you to just hold that in your hand, that first biblical scene, let me just bring you to the end of time. The Bible talks about the Antichrist. He will be called the beast, the Bible says so. He will be the servant of Satan, used to cause both peace and then havoc on the earth. In the last days, the Antichrist will do a number of things. Not the least of which he will set up a, a governmental system so that even the most faithful hearts will be confounded by his tactics. We know what's coming, but it's difficult to comprehend how easy it will be to fall into the snare of the Antichrist, the beast. For looming large, the minds will be this bewitching individual who will garnish incredible power and prowess to mesmerize the masses of people. He will imagine himself to be God, though he will only be a man. And though he is only a man, that man will also have a mark. We know it as the mark of the beast. The scripture says... No one will be able to buy or sell. In fact, Revelation chapter 13, verse 17, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Everyone who wants to buy something, a house or a phone or make a purchase, will be forced to use the mark of the beast. That's going to happen at the end. But I declare to you tonight that I'm not nearly concerned about the mark of the beast in the Bible's last book. As I am concerned about the mark of the devil in the Bible's first book. Hear me. It's not the revelation that concerns me the most. It's the Genesis. I hope and I don't think that anyone here is going to fall victim to that last deception. But many have already fallen prey to the first deception. One man said, and I quote, he said, I'm far more terrified at the beast first mark at the beginning of the Bible that I am at his last mark. Because if my soul's antagonist can put a mark on me now, he'll have little trouble putting the last mark on me then. It's more subtle. It's sinister. The mark of Revelation 13 is 666. But the mark of Genesis chapter 3 is the question mark. 
And it came when the serpent gave it to the woman as he asked. Hath God said? Satan, not God, put the first mark in the Bible. You might want to turn me down just a little bit. And if he can put that mark on me, if he can make me doubt, if he can make me doubt myself, if he can make me doubt my ministry, if he can make me doubt my call, my purpose, if he can make me doubt the truth in God's word, or if he can make me question God's voice or God's path, or if he make me question God's man in my life, then I will be stained with the ink of doubt for the rest of my days. Doubt drives us into the arms of indecision. Doubt drives us towards false doctrine and philosophy. Doubt keeps us from believing in the promises and the provisions of a faithful God. Doubt separates people from the corporate body of worship. Doubt separates people from private devotion at home. Doubt will cause you to think that maybe what is true is really a lie. And what is a lie is really true. Doubt will will cause you to consider the promise as a false hope. Or the promises of God are insufficient. And I'm certain that doubt can come at any time in our walk with God. I know it can. It can come when you've been serving the Lord for many years. It can come after decades of serving God. But I've seen it take its root more dramatically in the early years of finding God. Because if the devil can slither his way into your mind and ask the question, he will hinder the future call that God has on your life. Think of it, ladies and gentlemen. There was a lot of doubt in the family of Abraham has driven by faith as Abraham was. And, and the Bible declares it so there was an equal amount of questions in his heart. And I cannot reconcile the life of that great patriarch except that the Bible has allowed us access into the real world of Abraham. His heights of faith and the valleys of his disobedience is all there laid out in the scripture. God promised a son. And the Bible says that Abraham laughed at the word, Genesis 17, that Abraham fell down upon his face. He laughed. He said in his heart, shall a child be born unto me, him, talking about himself, I'm a hundred years old, or to Sarah, my wife, she's 90 years old. Can she bear a child? And Abraham left. And then the next chapter says that Sarah laughed also. And God pointed it out as if God's delay was evidence of his inability. Or their condition was an obstacle for the creator of all things. It was not. Doubt was the opening page that led to the book of disobedience. Doubt set the stage for the introduction of Ishmael, the son of conflict. It doesn't take a debate to cause you to question God's blessing of his goodness or God's appointed instruction in holiness or godliness. It just takes a little bit of questions of doubt because the most powerful tool in the devil's arsenal is to cast you, cast you into doubt according to his word. He so desperately wants to put his mark on your mind so that you think that God's word, the Bible is not true and that this life is not worth living. Hear me, the enemy of your soul would like you to question everything if he can. If he can, he will distort healings and miracles as mere byproducts 
of modern medicine or maybe it really wasn't God at all maybe it was just something about the human anatomy that healed itself I stand here to tell you that there is an enemy against you it is the question and the question mark is causing people to lose faith but I pray oh God help us to overcome the first question in the Bible hath God hath God I want to say yes he did yes he did that was the very presentation of John chapter 9 when the Pharisees tried to convince the people that Jesus had not, in fact, healed the blind men. That they could not allow the Lord, of course, access into their thoughts because they did not want the Lord to be attributed to the miracle of the blind man. So they said, give God praise. We know that this Jesus could not have healed that man. And when that didn't work, they said that Jesus didn't heal him, except that he did it through Beelzebub. Why did they go through all that trouble? Why did they go through so much effort to refute the miracle? They didn't care about the blind man, his well-being, or his newly found sight. They were not rejoicing over the healing, nor do they think that God really needed the praise. See, they were after the minds of the people. Because if the people believed that Jesus performed the miracles, then they would believe his doctrine. The Pharisees would have lost control of their minds and their hearts and they could not afford to lose their voice among the people. They could not allow the doctrine of Jesus Christ to supersede their own doctrine. So they planted doubt. The question mark. The seed that burrows through the subconscious until it breeds contempt. It causes complacency toward the cause of Jesus Christ. It causes confusion toward the scripture. It divides the whole body in ways that gossip only wish it could. Doubt the tool that is at work in this world and in the church to separate you from your pastor and you from one another and most of all you from the high calling of God in Christ Jesus I stand here to say as an oracle of the most high God the Lord has called so many people to different ministries but you have questioned yourself you've questioned if God has told you you've questioned if God's really said it but I want to tell you that God said it and you need to cast out doubt we are here to overcome every doubt every question in our mind the Lord has a mission for you he has has a ministry for you he has power for you he has the Holy Ghost for you Gideon was a man who understood his limitations and he doubted himself he doubted himself because he knew who he was and that's where a lot of people are we know who we are we don't think that God can use us because we know our ineptness we know how weak we are we know our inabilities we live with ourselves we think about our faithlessness we think about all of the things we've done wrong in our life we think about the pecking order well I'm not gifted that way I don't have that ability I'm not up there I can't really talk to everybody I want to tell you the Lord wants to use you I want to tell you he's greater than you and the Bible says if your heart condemns you God is greater than your heart. He's greater than your subconscious. He's greater than your conscious. He's greater than the inability. He's greater than your ineptness. He's greater than your weakness. He's greater than all the problems you had. I say tonight if the church could ever get the courage to rise up and stop thinking about themselves, God will give us a Holy Ghost revival like we've never seen. I want to tell you, you're powerful. You're anointed. You're positioned. You've got purpose. And the question mark that the Lord has, has and the question mark that the devil has put on your life, that's a lie of the devil. You are the church and the sons and daughters of the most high God.
I've read the Bible many times. I'm a little conflicted when Moses first started out. He said to God that he was not a very good speaker. He doubted himself. And so God said, well, I'll add Aaron to you so he can be your your voice for you. He can speak for you. But I find very few times when Aaron ever spoke for Moses. Aaron considered his poor speaking ability. He thought he didn't have it together. He thought he couldn't do it. Like a lot of people, a host of people in every age have done the same. But what they all failed to understand was that God did not call the qualified. He qualified the called. He didn't call you because you are good. He called you because he was good. And he knew what he can do if you just obey him. You think that God looked around and said, I'm just going to pick all the good people out. I'm going to pick all the talented people out. No. He just said, I'm calling everybody. Come on, everybody. Come on. And everybody who came, he said, I'll qualify you. I'll make you right. I'll put the word in your mouth. I'll put the joy in your step. I'll put the power in your hand. The devil is a liar. I want you to know the devil is a liar. Don't let the enemy cause you to question your call. Don't let him question your walk. Don't let him question your ministry that God has given to you in your hands. You are powerful. You are anointed. Amen. The devil knows you probably more than you know yourself. He's afraid of you. He's afraid that you ever get a hold of it. That's why he keeps questioning you. He puts the doubt in your mind. Because he knows if you ever rise up, you're going to be a force that hell cannot stop. I'm here to say we are going to overcome the question. He'd rather take you out before you ever get the idea that you can do it. I went into Mike Reitzel's new shop. Stand up, Mike Reitzel. Oh. Just look at that guy right there. That's a Holy Ghost filled, devil trembling, making. Man of the Most High God. And in his shop, he introduced me to four or five men there. See this guy, he said, Pastor? This guy, he's lost everything. He don't have anything. And this guy right here, he didn't think anybody cared about him. This guy right here, he tried to commit suicide. It didn't work. Pointed out those four men that the devil has right now by the throat. But a child, a son of God, just walked into their life and he pulled them out. And I say that the devil would like to put a question mark in Brother Mike's mind. But I want to tell you, if we can overcome the question, the devil knows there's too many men that have tried to commit suicide. And they're down on their luck and they're over and they don't got hope. And the devil would like to be after those guys. But what he really wants to do is he wants to upset him. Because if he can destroy Brother Mike Reitzel, he can wipe out the rest of them because there'll be nobody. Hear me, church? you got to stand up for truth because there's a lot of people that are dependent on your faith. 
Come on, just clap your hands one more time when you're seated. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I'm going to pull back the curtain and expose the lie of the devil. I want to tell you that the devil is a liar. You are powerful. You've got the Holy Ghost. And pardon me if this is a little trite. I'm sorry. It just kind of stuck with me when I was a little child. It kind of, I don't know who said it first, but I've got to say it again. I, I, want, it to, I want it to be imprinted in my mind. I, I don't want it to be just a simplistic elementary kind of turning of a phrase. But I just have to repeat it because there's a truth in it. At your lowest place in God, you are still stronger than all the devils in hell. At your weakest moment in God, you are still more powerful than every force in this world. When you don't feel like you are anything, you're still greater than all the forces and the demons that that surround you we'll take dominion over that I want to take dominion over that in this house I think there are disciple makers ready to explode here I'm looking for disciple makers ready to explode here but first you've got to remove the question mark from your mind Hear me, they want to hear from you. You've got something to say. You think that maybe they know more than you. They don't know more than you. They're waiting for you to open up your mouth. <laughs> and of course, I wish that it was all the devil that poses those questions. I do wish it was just demonic spirits that offer uncertainties and queries. How wonderful that would be. We would just stand here and rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus and cover our bodies and our minds by the blood of the which he cannot penetrate. <laughs> just the thought of the king of Syria. Reb Shaka is his main man. He's the field commander. He's on his way to Jerusalem. King Hezekiah, of course, decides to send some men to meet him. The king of Assyria wants to capture and destroy Jerusalem and Hezekiah has a little fear. They met by the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field, a very specific location. And they called for the king, but the king, of course, didn't come. He, he sent the son of the administrator and Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, a recorder, Three men meet one man. And the field commander, Reb Shekha, said to them, Tell your king Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the enemy, the king of Assyria says. On what basis, what confidence do you have to fight us? He begins with the question because he's planting a seed in their mind. And that's where people begin. And I wish it was just the devil. I wish it was just the enemy of the spirit world. But I'm convinced that people have caused more conflict within the body than all the demons in hell. It's not the voice of the snake, the voice of the snake that concerns me. It's the voice of a so-called brother and a so-called sister. It's the question of the members among the members that causes callings to be stunted and ministries to be thwarted. Even the preached word of God that I'm doing right now has a tough time getting through the questions levied among the body by the body. I was driving home 
In the car I was talking to the Lord, he impressed this word in my heart. He told me the difference between the backslider and the reviler. And while both are lost and left the truth, the backslider is condemned because he considers his own condition. But the reviler questions the condition of the church. The backslider doubts his own salvation, but the reviler doubts the salvation of all the other people. The backslider questions whether they can get back to God so far. But the reviler plants seats of doubt with questions about the operation of the church. The backslider is lost in sin, but the reviler is lost in their own self-justification. And they seek to do damage in the body by offering questions and doubt. One of our couples in our church were at a restaurant several years ago. When a man walked up to them, they told me this story. The man asked them, where are you going to church? And they said, well, we're, we're, we just started to go to new life. To which the man replied, are you sure? Be careful. Do you know that things are not always what they seem? He offered no explanation as to what things were hidden. No direction or guidance as to what might befall them if they continued here in this house of worship. He just offered a statement of doubt, a question, an innuendo of suspicion that left enough uncertainty for them to question where they were. Of course, they didn't question. Because that couple is still here tonight. For they had enough love for holiness and enough Holy Ghost not to be dissuaded. And yes, time proved that that man was full of false doctrine and empty of conviction. And maybe... This is how it has to be. Because Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 18. He said, first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be manifest among you. He said, yeah, there needs to be a little division. That way all the people who cast in doubt and believe in false doctrine, they can just go their way. I want to tell you, we got to take dominion over every division. I'm praying for a Holy Ghost move of God and I'm looking for a unity in this house like we've never seen before. Watch it. Because... If we can reach the unity of Acts chapter 2 verse 1, we will experience an explosion revival and outpourings of Acts chapter 2 verse 41. You're not getting in Acts 2.41 until you get Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Acts 2.41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I'll tell you where Acts 2.41 is rooted. It's founded itself in the simplistic word of Acts chapter 2 verse 1. They were all with one accord in one place. I want to tell you, the power over the question mark is the unity of the body. The power over the question how to overcome is to get in unity. When we get in unity, nothing's going to stop us. Nothing's going to thwart us. God is going to do a great work. I'm praying for it right now. I got a lot more to preach, but I'm going to stop right here. I'm praying for it right now. It's time for us to get in unity. It's time for us to come together, believe in one another, keep our comments and opinions off of everybody, 
and get in unity in this house. God's not withholding something from us. We're keeping it from ourselves. I'm convinced that he's a good God and that his goodness knows no limitation. I'm convinced that God is so good that the reason why I'm not getting where I need to be is because I'm in the way. And if I can get out of the way, get my flesh out of the way and join with you and join with my brothers and the sisters of the church, God is going to do a great thing. Hear me. We got to cast aside every doubt and every question. Now is the time for the church to get together. See, if if you take a moment to trace the history, you'll find out in the book of Mark chapter 8 that the people began to question Jesus. And because of their questioning, he left them like he always leaves people. Because in Mark chapter 8, he goes to Nazareth and immediately they start questioning him. Four times in two verses, he left them. He left their lame limping. He left their blind stumbling around. He left their deaf straining to hear. And I'm telling somebody in this room, it's not 666 that you need to fear. It's not the last mark that you need to be afraid of. It's the question mark. Hear me, the devil wants to stand on everybody's mind and every person's soul a pit of blackness that you cannot that you will not that nobody loves you hear me that's a lie of the devil I'm going to stand up and say there's no fear in here there can be no disunity in here we got to go somewhere we got to get together I'm not positive this. I'm not positive. But the 12 spies that went out, 10 came back and they gave a false report. They get a bad report. God didn't ask them whether or not they could take the land. He just said, go spy it out. In fact, Moses just said, go check it out. Mark it off. In fact, my instinct says that Moses just wanted them to be surveyors. To survey. Put a stake down here and a stake down there. Problem is, when the ten got there, they started to look at all the obstacles that were in their way. And they came back and they, before Joshua and Caleb ever had a chance to open up their mouth, they started to give a report. And by the time they got the report, you know, some people just believe the first thing they hear. If you get to them first, you convince them. They ain't got enough sense to know there might be another side of the story. By the time that Joshua opened up his mouth, he said, yeah, most of the stuff they said is true, but God can give it to us. Of course, by that time, the majority won. I wonder why God allowed the majority to win. Could it be that he will not supersede your own will? You know how many churches have died because the majority said, you know, we we really don't want to have revival. We just like what we're doing right now. Hear me. Everybody's got to get together. We got to get together. We cannot afford. We cannot afford two among ten, much less ten among two. It's in my mind. I'm not sure of this, but forty years later, when all those guys died off, and Caleb was the oldest cat living in the in the in the group, he was eighty years old. Everyone had gone, and Joshua crossed over, and they went to Jericho. God never told them. Not to speak. Joshua told them, don't open up your mouth. Can't afford any negative things here. I'm not sure of that. I'm not sure he said, I don't want anything negative. But I do know he said, don't speak. I'm just thinking. 
maybe he remembered four decades prior when the promise was laid out for him but the body wasn't together and instead of believing in God they questioned themselves and they said we don't think we can do it we don't think we're strong enough we're wondering if we have the ability hear me that question mark is powerful it's more powerful than anything in your life it can stunt you it can stop you it can send you into full decay that's why I'm standing up here I'm preaching this word oh God give us unity in the body we gotta have a Holy Ghost revival we gotta have explosion I rise to say there can be no question concerning what the spirit of our omnipotent God can do in the middle of our problems in the middle of of our strife in the middle of our church wherever we are God wants to do a great work uh, I gotta bear my heart a little bit here I'm I'm praying God would give us direction we want to be a spiritual body. We were in the basement of the old church. Didn't look very good back then. There was an old school on this property, Glen High School. Some of you went to high school there. It was probably nice in your day. The roof leaked by the time we found it and mold had grown up in it. In fact, it was so bad, we didn't even realize all the pipes were wrapped in asbestos. <laughs> God opened up a door and I, I got the call. And, and we were allowed to put money down on it. In fact, we put $5,000 on this property. And then there was a legal battle. Right before that legal battle, we believed that God was going to give us this property. We're going to build a building. We had a meeting in the basement. There was questions whether or not we could afford the property or whether or not we needed a new building. <laughs> a handful of you were down there in that basement. We set out some tables and people stood there and I wasn't sure what to say I needed to hear the voice of the people and I gave the the floor to Duffy Elkins and he stood up and he cried I'll never forget what he said he said we're at a crossroads he said I've watched churches before at this very crossroad and he said if we don't get that property will never grow. He said, I've watched churches die. They died and didn't even know they were dying until it was too late to recover. Because they got to a crossroad. This is what he said. And they doubted if they could go forward. And tears running down his face as he pleaded with all of us in the basement and said, we've got to buy the property. And no one could even imagine how we can 
spend $250,000 and what we were going to do with the building. When we got in this building and Joe and Dennis built this platform, Tammy and I walked in and we were distraught. We said, it's massive. It's too big. We will never have enough people to put on the platform. And bless God, I couldn't even get to my seat tonight because they were hogging the platform. And all the kids were singing and I was thinking, man, I wish we'd have just gone about 15 feet farther. But at the time I was thinking, this is too big, we can't do it, we're not going to get, hear me, is there room for another hundred young people to sing on the platform? Or do we doubt? Are you questioning whether God wants us to move forward? Hear me, God has a ministry for you, he has a calling for you. Don't let the devil doubt what God's doing in your life. You're a disciple maker. You're a soul winner. You're a Bible study teacher. There's a prayer meeting ready to explode in your living room. I want you to stop thinking whether or not you're good enough. It's not about how good you are. It's about how obedient you are to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I'll tell you what the devil wants to do. He wants to put his mark on you. You're going to resist the 666, but you're going to accept the question mark. Don't let the question mark come. Hear me. Don't let the question mark come. If this is your first few months in the church, God has a work for you. Come on, stand with me right now. Come on, lift up your voice right here. Because the Lord's calling you to do a great thing now. So I say, don't let the devil or anyone else cause you to question what God wants you to do. I won't re-preach it, but the battlefield is your mind. And some people are asking questions. They, are, they don't want an answer. They just want to plant a seed in your thought. So that it can fester in your spirit. So that you wonder whether or not you're loved. Let me just go on record and say, you're loved. In fact, I told a couple people tonight when I hugged them. How do you like my cologne? Because <laughs> I figure if I don't preach good, at least I can smell good. Dolce Cabana, light blue, praise God. Just come to the altar. I want to tell you right now, everybody's loved, everybody's needed. This church will never get big enough. We'll never get large enough to forget about you. We love one another. If you need me, you come and find me. I'm here for you. My whole time life, Tammy and I love this church. Don't let the devil put in your mind that you can't be loved and you can't be used. That's a lie of the devil. Sometimes you got to stand up and rebuke the devil. Sometimes you got to say, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes you got to know that the devil has no power. He just has a question. I'm being real transparent, so I'm driving home. I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I'm weaving around the road.
And there's a big accident. So I stopped and everybody just turned off their cars and I sat there for two hours. Something happened up the way. And I started to think in my mind and a question came in my mind. It didn't take me long, but I knew it was the enemy. The question was, do you really think the people want to grow? Do you really think they want to have a revival? Here's another question that came to mind. Do you really think they have a hunger for Bible studies? I'm not trying to provoke you. This is not reverse psychology. This is the question in my mind. The devil was planted in my mind. Do you really think that you could even build a new building and there'd be anyone who'd come to the building? Do you think that they even wonder if they need a new building and all these questions start floating in my mind and finally I had to get control of that. I rebuke you devil in the name of Jesus. Get out of my car. See, I can put him in his place. But I'm the only one who can decide what place I'm going to be in. It's up to me. It's up to you. It's you. I used to laugh until I realized that my statement was kind of dumb. I used to say, you know, you only vote one time. You voted on me 19 years ago. You don't get another vote. That was not a good thing because I realized people vote with their feet every Sunday. You may not be putting in the in, casting the name, but they're voting with your feet. You're voting every Sunday. Now, I'd rather you vote on Jesus and me. But you know, I do take it personally. Because I like it when I see you. And I know that the Lord can do something good when you're here. And I know no matter what I say, if I fail and miss and my jokes don't sound good, if I'm, I know God's so gracious, he fills in all the gaps. And the word comes forth. So where we're going we got to have unity and no question. Don't let the devil put that mark on you. He wants to. I want to answer the question for you right now. Is this the church you should be in? I want to answer it for you. Oh, yes. This is the church God calls you to. He led you here to heal you and to send you on a mission. I got an answer for all of the young ladies here. God called you to be powerful. He called you for a work in the kingdom. I got a message for everybody. A question. You didn't get too old. God still wants to use you. So when you get up in the middle of the night, mother, start interceding over the church. You didn't outage your ministry. You got a powerful ministry. 
I'll tell you what you do, Grandma and Grandpa. You find another one of these young couples that are in their 30s and 40s, and you get them, and you empower them, and you, you speak the word to their life, and you intercede over them. I'm going to tell you, the whole body is needed in this place. we're not there yet but I feel like God's going to bring us there I feel like we've been marching around a wall I know that wall's coming down I know that wall's coming down I know that wall's coming down I know there's a great Holy Ghost revival. I want an Acts chapter 2 verse 41 experience in the city. I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that the Lord would add to the church daily such as should be saved. I don't care what your kids said. I believe they're coming back to the church. I don't care what the doctor said. I believe your body's going to be healed. I don't care what your friends said. I believe that God has empowered you to do a work for God. I'm not concerned about your lows. I'm concerned about the power of the Lord inside of you. The Holy Ghost is moving right here. Come on now. Come on now. You better take dominion over it. Right now in the name of Jesus, God's doing your work now. He's doing the work now.